Amen. Come on, let's give it up this morning. Are you glad to be in the house? Tell somebody you're sitting next to you, you rock my face off. Just tell them that. You, I didn't say kiss people, Dr. Hooten. You need to save that for later, buddy, okay? <laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. We're glad to see you in the house today. What a great day. Beautiful, beautiful winter, brisk freezing for Dallas week this week, right? Uh, when my wife and I went on vacation a couple weeks ago, we went to Las Vegas with some friends. And uh, it was one night, it got down to like 36 degrees. And my wife told me how important it was for her to be warm. So she bought a coat that was 70% off, which is the most important thing. And um, it, from the top of her head all the way down below her knees, she bought a coat that we could walk around in in Las Vegas that she'll never, ever be able to wear in Dallas, Texas. But that, that's life. That's, that's the struggle we have of living in, one, in the, this awesome, awesome place where the stars at night are big and bright. That's terrible. That's terrible. Hey, open your Bible to John chapter 9 with me this morning. John chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, the verses will be up on the screen. You're going to see a lot of neat things. Uh, our building is going to continue to be transformed over the next few months. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, open up our Chinese ministry section of our building probably in about a month from now, and uh, we're going to be doing some things out in the lobby. This week, we are very, very thankful. If, you, if you're on our church Facebook, you know this. Uh, we received our certificate of occupancy for our church. Yes. So we are too legit to... Anyway, so... We're, we're very, very thankful for that, and, uh, but we've got, somebody said to me, does that mean we're done? I said, no, that's just the beginning. We've got a lot more we want to do and a lot of things we want to not only do with this building, but more importantly, uh, to minister to our church family and to this community, and we're really privileged to be able to do that. One of the things we're doing uh, in the next few weeks, on February the 15th, Friday night, we're hosting a couples event called Date Night, and if you are interested in this, okay, this is for husbands and wives. Serious relationships of men and women getting married, or you want to get some, uh, uh, moving your relationship forward that way. Um, and I'm going to give you a good example. Uh, our, Nikki, are you standing up or sitting down back there? Okay, everybody turn around and say hi to Nikki. Okay. Nikki is in, is in what we would call on the borderline of a serious relationship. We don't know if it's serious yet or where it's going. It's semi, whatever it is. So she said to me, Pastor Ed, can I bring my boyfriend to this event? I said, absolutely, you can bring your boyfriend to this event. But we're going to be talking about marriage. She said, oh, he's definitely coming. So that's kind of what it's about. Um, you know, if you're interested in that, text your name. And your significant other's name to 972-800-9424. That's it right there. Dates. Free event. My friend, Pastor Tim Chambers and his wife, Donna. Great pastors in uh, Toms River, New Jersey area. Really good friends of mine. And they're going to be here uh, for that event and throughout the weekend. I know you're going to enjoy being with them. So John chapter 9. We've been, we're going through the miracles of Jesus Christ. We're in a big, mucho long series called Just Jesus. And I want to pose to you this, this title this morning, the hardest question ever asked. We had some friends over our house last night that were uh, part of our lives uh, when we used to live in Florida. And 
they, they were youth workers for my kids when they were young in high school and, and just a big influence on my girls' lives. We really love them a lot. And uh, we were talking about the past and talking about some things. And one of the things that we talked about was uh, the one girl has a brother that's a little bit older than her. And she was talking about what it was like to grow up in a house with a brother. And, I, and I'm just listening to her talking about the dynamic of sister and brother in the house. And that was very, very strange to me because my house was a girl's dormitory. Uh, we have uh, four girls. And uh, I, was, I was, I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was an amazing dynamic in our home. Uh, for many years, we're very, very spoiled. One of the nicest things about our house is we have two bathrooms, which is kind of not fair because while my kids were all growing up, we had one bathroom. And we have one very, very healthy oak tree in our backyard, but that's a whole other story. But we have one bathroom, so we just always, you know, so if you you ever come to our house, and this is really oversharing, I'll probably get yelled about this after church, I wasn't the dad that walked around the house in his underwear, because I had all girls, and that's just creepy and weird, okay? Uh, so So we were talking about that and talking about life, and you know, there's a lot of things. She said, well, how did you talk to your girls about, you know becoming ladies. I said, that's why God created their mother. They were, she was really, really good for that. I kind of had to enter in once in a while to help out with those conversations um, when it came to dating and things like that. But man, I'll tell you, it was just such a strange thing all the time. Every day there was crying in my house. Every day there was laughter. But there was always one. When you have four girls and your wife, five women in your house, there's always at least one girl that still loves you, which was really, really cool for me. One would hug me every day, not the same one. But, you know, life is difficult sometimes. All of us have gone through difficult things in our lives, haven't we? We've gone through trials. We've gone through physical things. We've gone through family things. Boy, we've just gone through, uh, all of us could probably write a volume about all the, the trials and tribulations and, and difficult things that you've had to personally live through, you know, and they're all very, very unique to us uh, as individuals. But I think universally, you know, you ask about the big questions of life. What are the big, big, big questions of life? Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? We try to answer those questions uh, from a biblical perspective every single week in our church that we were created by God to honor and glorify Him. Uh, If you have a relationship with Him, you're going to spend forever with Him. That's where we're going. And, And we try to answer those universal questions. But I think there's another universal question that that that. Is, is probably one of the hardest questions ever in the world that you'll ever be asked, and that's why. You know, why, why, do, why do bad things happen to really, really good people? Did you ever wonder that? Uh, I sure have. Uh, and, then you, and then you try to justify it, and you say, well, why do, why do good things happen to people that, man, they're just, they're just bad. They don't even try, and they're just, it just seems that all these great, you know, great things are happening to them. And then we read a verse in the Bible that says, you know, uh, God blesses or, or, or blessings rain on the just and the unjust, and there's your answer, so just deal with it, you know. But it's hard, you know. Why am I going through this trial? Why am I going through this thing? Why, why is that burden uh, in my life? We want to start a ministry in our church, and we're hoping to do that uh, in, in, in the first half of this year called Champions Club. And Champions Club is a ministry uh, that ministers to families and to children uh, that are born with uh, a, a whatever kind of physical challenge that you could think of, uh, whether it's a, a mental, whether it's a physical handicap, or, or, or whatever it would be. And it's, a, it's an amazing ministry, and it's really, um, to, to see God work in and through that, it's just a great thing. Uh, we, we've been to churches, we've taken a team to a church that, that, that is kind of the epicenter of that in Houston, Texas. And we really look forward to, 
to being able to start that ministry. But I'm going to tell you something. It's really hard. If you've ever uh, had a sick child or, 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 or lost a child or, or gone through some things like that, and you see other healthy children, you kind of go, man, that just, it just doesn't feel fair. You know how life just doesn't feel fair sometimes. And we're going to talk about that today because there's a story right in, right in this whole chapter of John chapter 9 where, of course, Jesus, seals, see, Jesus sees somebody that, that needs to be healed and he, and he heals that. But there's so many layers uh, with these miracles that Jesus performs where, where we start to understand, yes, the miracle happened. And we know why Jesus did miracles, right? Uh, because he loved people and he wanted to meet their needs, but he also wanted to draw attention to God, his Father, so that people would have a relationship with him. A few weeks ago, we talked about Lazarus being raised up from the dead and what an amazing miracle that was. And the Bible teaches us in John chapter 11, not only is Jesus the resurrection and the life, but Jesus did that to draw attention to God so that people would know him and, and, and how much he loves him. So we're going to read in John chapter 9, big chunk of scripture this morning, uh, this great story that unfolds about a blind man that Jesus healed. John chapter 9, verse number 1. God's word says this, as he, Jesus, went along... Jesus saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher. They were, it was kind of a, uh, a respect, you know, an honor term that he was, they were giving to Jesus. They said, Rabbi, he was their teacher. They said, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, that is, a, you know, you, you look at that and say, oh, that doesn't, but haven't you felt that way a little bit? Maybe some of the difficult things you've dealt with in your life is, and we, and we always need to find a place to lie fault, don't we? You know, we're, we're in this situation because of that person. We're in this situation because, and we love the blame stuff. We love blaming others. You know, oh, I've got issues. Let me ask you a question this morning just to make everybody feel good about themselves. How many of you this morning have issues? Raise your hand up in the air. How many of your issues come from growing up? Unless your parents are in here, raise your hand up, okay? Yeah, we all have issues, right? And we blame those issues very easy. You know, blame our issues on some things from our moms or from our dads or from our aunts or uncles or from some weirdo teacher we had in school or some crazy thing we happened to us when we were a teenager. I had a little guy come up to me. And I, you know, I, I had a big church hurt happen to me when I was a kid. I had a guy who um, I grew really fast. I was tall at a very young age. I was, I was kind of deep and wide. But uh, I had this guy who was a teacher in our youth group of the, of the church we went to. He came up to me one time. He put me up against the wall. And he, and he started digging his finger into my chest. And he said, next time you talk during youth group, I'm going to knock your block off. And, and I was kind of scared of the guy, but something inside of me said, you know what? You're bigger than this idiot. So I grabbed his finger. And this guy was like 40 years old, and I was 15. I grabbed his finger, and I said, if you ever put your finger in my chest like that again, I'm going to break it off your hand. And he went, you can't come back to this church. I was like, boom, thank God. And I was gone. I was like, ah, hey, mom, guess what? I got kicked out of church. Then we're going to go to another church, you know. So I was like, ah, you know. But I remember that, you know. I remember that distinctly. So I blame my church hurt on this guy, not even taking any personal responsibility for maybe anything I would have done wrong. And it's very easy for me to say, I was mad at church because that guy said this to me. That's my reason, right? Well, it's very normal if you saw a child that was born with a physical infirmity, some kind of handicap. It was a Jewish tradition taught for years and years and years and believed that if, if, if you had an issue like that in your family, somebody in your family did something bad. Oh, man, his parents must have been really bad. Or, and it was really believed that the children that, that had handicap were born 
uh, out of sin. That means out of wedlock. You know, that was, that was taught. That was, that, was, that was a value that was taught. And, and people thought about children. So the Bible says here in verse number 3, Neither this man, this is Jesus' response to the question, Neither this man nor his parents uh, sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's, that's a really significant phrase. I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after he said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Man, the miracles that Jesus did are crazy. I would probably have preferred if I needed a miracle for Jesus just to speak it than to spit in some mud and wipe it on my eyes. I, would, I kind of would have been grossed out by that. But if you think about this, he, he did this, and the man, he received his sight. Verse number 8. His neighbors had those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, is this the same man that used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Uh, how then were your eyes open? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it in my eyes, told me to, to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. He said, I don't know. Now, it's easy to say, you say why wouldn't he know? Well, he was still blind. When, when Jesus, mud on his eyes, you go wash in the pool. He, you know, he's, he can't see. I'm not being disrespectful. He's, he's washing, 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 washing. Well, I can see now, right? And, and, and he's looking around, and people can see that he sees, and they're asking about him. He said, well, who made you? Well, I don't know who did it because I couldn't see him, right? He didn't see Jesus do this. He heard Jesus do this. He couldn't recognize Jesus yet because he had never been visibly in his presence. Um, but he, he told the guys that were there that day, I don't know who did it, but it was a guy named Jesus. So verse 13, the uh, Bible's really clear about this in the Old Testament too. The Bible teaches if you're ever healed from leprosy or any kind of physical infirmity, if God does a miraculous healing, you have to go to the temple or go to the tabernacle and you make a sacrifice to honor God, to, to acknowledge what he did in your life. So it's very normal for you to go to the religious leaders and say, hey man, I just received my sight. So the Bible says in verse number 13, they brought to the man of Pharisees, the man that used to be blind. He's not blind anymore, he can see. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Ugh, right? This was a big deal for the, for the Pharisees. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And the guy said very simply, well... He put mud on my eyes, and I washed it, and now I see. And then the Bible says that some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how could a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man and said, what, what have you to say about him that your eyes are open? The man said, well, he's a prophet. Guy made me see my whole life. I hadn't seen a thing. I've been blind my whole life. He put some dirt in my eyes. I went over to the pool. I could see. Like, and he's trying to, what, why are you guys making a big deal out of this? I was blind and now I see, right? And then verse 18, he, the, the Pharisee said, he still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. Uh, so they sent for the man's parents. This is, and this is kind of funny. Uh, they, they bring the parents in. Uh, ha, have you ever, uh, parents, have you ever been called to the principal's office on behalf of your wonderful children? 
you know. I think, I think my dad had frequent flyer miles where I went to school. And it was kind of funny, and I don't mean this disrespectful about my dad. My dad wasn't a believer, and we went to a Christian school. And there was, there was things I would get in trouble for, and I would love for my dad to get called because when my dad would get called in, like one time I got in trouble because I brought Mad Magazine to school. You know, Mad Magazine, it's kind of racy, you know, it's a little disrespectful, but really, really funny, I think. But uh, I had Mad Magazine in school. My teacher found it, called my dad in. My dad comes in and goes, they, and they start yelling at him. And that's really funny if you've ever been in that position where you get yelled at for stuff your kids did. You know, so, Mr. Trinkle, do you know your son came to school today with a Mad Magazine? He was like, yeah, I bought it for him. What's wrong with that? So I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? My dad's bigger. So I'm all, you know, I'm all getting proud and arrogant and all that. But there were many times my dad got called in for things that I wasn't glad that he heard about. You know, the, the walk from the principal's office to the car, the walk of shame. And, you know, you walk out and everything's fine. You got the, you know, you got the smile on you. Oh, everything's fine. This is normal. We can take care of this. Then you get in the car and, like, this demonic voice comes out of my dad. What did you do? You know, that kind of a thing. Um, but God has a way of making you remember those things because your kids get called to the principal's office when you become parents too. It's almost a prophetic thing that happens to you. And it happened to me many, 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 many times. Thank you, Christina and Kelsey. So um, here you go. Verse number 18. They didn't believe it. The blind man received his sight. So they sent for the man's parents, right? And they said to the parents, is this your son? That's really funny. Have you ever done that? Is this your son? No, it's her son. Like dads, right? When they do really, really good, we like the postcards. We like the bumper stickers. My kid's an honor roll student. You know, but if your kid burned down the cafeteria, that's her kid. I don't know where that came from. Right? Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? And they say, and it's like they're in trouble. How is it that he can see now if he was born blind? You know, process this for a second. They're mad at him because he can see now. And they're mad at us because he can see now. And we're in trouble. And you have to understand, the Pharisees weren't just like the pastor of a local community church. They had a lot of influence and power in the government. And, and you, could, you would have to pay fines. You have to pay taxes. You could even go to prison because of the things these Pharisees, these religious leaders, would, would, would blame you for or talk at you about. And the Pharisees were like yelling at these parents. They're trying we did something wrong. Our kid could see. We're really, really sorry. We're trying to figure this out, right? And they're, they're just glad their kid could see, and they're trying to figure out why they're getting yelled at for it. And verse number 20 says, we know that he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. All right, but then they kind of backpedal a little bit. But how he could see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. Isn't it a great time when your kids become adults, sort of, right? And, and they could speak for themselves. And I said sort of, but it's true. We know he's our son. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anybody who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And this is why his parents said, he is of age, asked him. So they answered in fear. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God and tell the truth, they said. We know that this man, when they said this man, they're talking about the one that healed him. We know the healer is a sinner. And the used to be blind, I can see now, dude, says this. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
Great inspiration uh, for the song Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. But they asked him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And he said, I told you already, and you didn't listen to me. Why did you want to hear it again? Do you want to become a, a this is a great answer. Are you, are you interested in becoming one of his disciples? Like we can give you the text number for Jesus and give you some literature about being one of his followers and online giving and all that kind of stuff, right? And you know what this did. This made the man, the, the, the Pharisees infuriated. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now, that this, is re- now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of the eyes of a blind man. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And the Bible says they threw him out. They threw him out of the the synagogue that day. And you go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter when when, when all this drama unfolds and the disciples just look at this guy and said, why? You know? And then the Pharisees said, why? And then the parents said, why not, right? And they didn't want to answer the question, but why? And it really is one of those questions universally asked by so many people, why? So we read in this chapter, the very beginning of this chapter, we understand this part about why. The second part of this chapter, we kind of see, uh, I just wrote this because it rhymed and it sounded cool, but I think it, it makes sense. The word cry, because in verses 10 through 17, Can you imagine the emotion of this man, right, who had been born blind, and now he could see? Um, We've prayed for people that have gone through sickness before. I think of Mike that's here today. I think of Kenan who's who's here today, uh, and and other people that that have been, uh, went through some sick times. And I really believe that that, that Jesus is a healer. I believe in in the healing power of Jesus Christ with all my heart. Uh, he wouldn't tell us to ask him to do things like that if it wasn't true. I think we get a little geeked out by it. You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you haven't been, if you're not part, if you're Pentecostal church or being a part of a charismatic church is not part of your thing. And I'm not saying we're either. But what I'm saying is when people talk about the Holy Spirit, I was talking to a buddy this week about the Holy Spirit, you know. And it just seems like a lot of like conservative evangelical churches get all like, oh, they're going to be all Holy Spirit on us. What's going to happen next? I'm too big to dance, so it's not going to happen. Don't worry about that, okay? We kind of get afraid. We, you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid because of fear. But you know why we have that fear? The same reason the, 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 the Pharisees did, because we just don't understand, right? Jesus healed this man. He really did. This isn't some fable or some, you know, inspirational story that, that, that Charles Dickens or Mary Poppins or whoever wrote way back in the past. This is something that happened historically a little over 2,000 years ago because Jesus performed a miracle so that we would what? Believe in God. He cared about this man. And I think this man had to be overcome with emotion when he could see for the first time in his life. I mean, he always needed help. He had to have the worst uh, toes, if you could ever imagine, from stubbing his toes everywhere. Because he couldn't see, right? Uh, you get up in the middle of the night, and those of you that are over 40 know what I'm talking about, and you go walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and, and we have to make our pathway very clear because there's been times that I have with my big old size 14 dogs 
hit some things, furniture, bedposts, things that, that are my fault because I couldn't remember. I couldn't imagine being blind. Couldn't imagine it. So do you think when this guy received his sight, washed his eyes off, oh, cool, I could see now. Does anybody want to get a movie or something or hang out? I mean, I think that he was just absolutely beside himself. Look, I could see. Well, look, you can see. You know what I mean? Like right back at you. But look, I could see. Look, I could see. He's telling all his buddies, look, I could see. I could see. I could see. I could see. And the only thing the Pharisees did is they had their blinders on and said this, but it's the Sabbath day. It's the only thing they could think of. And, 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 and God, Jesus told them in the, in the Gospels, the Sabbath isn't for you. It's for God. I made it so that you would remember him and now you're making it about yourselves. And that's what we really have to be careful of as a church, that we never make warehouse church about us. It's, about, it's always about trying to fill these empty seats, and they're getting, there's getting less and less of them every week, which is super cool. Uh, but it's about filling these empty seats with people that need to hear about Jesus. We're not here to make ourselves famous. It's not really that, I mean, if you think about it, it's emotional a little bit. It's not really that big of a deal that, that we were part of building this building. It's kind of cool. It was fun. It was a lot of work. But it's not the world's greatest accomplishment that a few hundred people put their resources together and build a building. Not the biggest thing in the whole world that's ever happened. But if we built this building so that God would use it so that people hear about Christ, and our goal is to say, look what God's done, and our goal is to say, we want to introduce you to something that's going to change your life, and don't look about all this stuff, because you know what's going to happen to this stuff? It's going to fade away someday. Wood, hay, and stubble. It's just nothing but stuff. The stuff that's going to last forever is that person on the right side of you and that person on the left side of you and that neighbor that you know that needs to have a relationship with Christ. But we, yeah, come on, we can, we can shout about that this morning, right? God wants people to know him, and he goes to extreme measures to do that. We talked about that a few weeks ago, about how the guys lowered their friend down to the feet of Jesus, and they went, they broke social protocol. They, they even damaged property so that their friend could know Jesus Christ and be healed. And this man experienced the healing power of Jesus Christ. I wrote the word cry because I can't imagine him doing anything but crying after he was healed. I can't believe I could see now. wonder if he even went to bed that night. You know, I, I was watching TV, medicine stuff. Ugh. I was watching TV a couple weeks ago, and there's a medicine for blind people to help them see, I mean, to help them sleep at night because they're always in darkness, and, and we get tired when it gets dark, and when the sun comes in our room in the morning, it kind of wakes us up. How do you think blind people deal with that? It's just sad. And this guy goes to bed. He wakes up, and I wonder if right before he opened up his eyes, he went, oh, man, I wonder if I could still see. Maybe, oh, it's still there. I can see. Ha, oh, you know? I think it had to be very emotional. But also, when Jesus did a work in somebody's life, we also read, that his parents were shy and they tried to deny in verses 18 through 23. And I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, boy, they were backpedaling, trying to protect themselves, felt the threat of, of the Pharisees, and they just said, if you want to know what happened to our son, you ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. That's humorous to me because that really brings back a lot of bad childhood memories, you know. Ask him, he did it, you know. Oh, sorry, Dad, you know. But if you think about that, they were living also like the Pharisees were. They were entering this world of the unknown, of fear, and they didn't know how to respond. And I think that happens to, to us, I think it goes back to the question that 
the disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it, was it his sin? Was it his parents that had sinned? And when we enter the world of the unknown, it gets very scary for us. You know, um, we, had a, we, we did a funeral a few years ago for this lady. And the daughter uh, of this lady had lived in Ohio. She lived in Florida. The lady did. And she died because a, a tree went, bashed her house. And, or she lived like in a trailer. And a tree went into her trailer and killed her. She died from that. And she was like 75 years old. She was alone. It was pretty sad. And uh, when we went to do her funeral, the daughter had not spoken to her mom in 13 years. And this lady had no money. Our church helped her out. The funeral home helped her out. It was really a rough situation. And this lady just comes running in and just runs up to her mom, runs up to her, lays on top of her, like, like on this gurney. She wasn't even in a casket because she didn't have any money. Laying on this gurney, laying on top of her mom, just screaming, why, 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 you know? And her why was regret. Her why was, you know, very self-centered. you know, centered. Why did you die without us being right? Why did you, you know, just all, I mean, you could just imagine all the emotion of this. And I don't think that any of us can um, say that we don't understand that. You know, uh, when, when our oldest daughter, Christina, was born, she turned, she turned 31 this week. And when she was born, uh, she just had some, we just had some struggles with her, with her, with her physicality when she was a baby. Uh, she was born with hip dysplasia. She had a, a viral pneumonia, uh, some kind of thing. And I remember when she was a tiny, tiny baby with this brace, just like normally this big, but her hip dysplasia brace made her like half the size because her knees were up by her chest for like nine months straight. And she had uh, some kind of spiral meningitis or something, so they wanted to do a spinal tap on her. And she was a peanut. She was like six months old or nine months old or something, tiny, tiny baby. And the doctor did the, the spinal thing. The first time, didn't work. Second time, didn't work. Third time, didn't. five times it took him to do it. And the doctor asked me to come in and hold her. Well, they could do this. This little six-month, nine-month-old baby looking at me, can't speak a word. She, I think she knew I was her dad. Like with this look on her face of, why are you letting this happen to me? And I wanted to jump across that table and strangle that doctor that day. Even though it was probably necessary. I don't know, whatever. But I know this. She was looking to me to answer why. And I know that when we pray to God, when we're going through difficult times, why can be very painful. Because we don't always get the answer we're looking for, and we don't always get the answer when we want it. You know, I want the answer now. Dear God, can you, right now, I'm ready. Boy, it'd be really cool if you were short order cook. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the kind of, that's the kind of God I would, I would like to have, right? He hears it. He answers it. Boom, bam, done, signed, sealed, and delivered. But God was trying to teach the disciples something that day. God was teaching that man something that day. God was teaching the Pharisees something that day. And God also teaches you and I today as we read this, this story. But then we read about the real blind people in the story, and, and, those, and that was the Pharisees. And the Pharisees in verse 24, uh, down to the end of the chapter, they said, give glory to God, verse number 24, by telling the truth. We know that the guy that healed you is a sinner. They go through all this, this stuff about just them not believing. Then the man says, do you want, are you interested because you want to be one of his disciples? Argues on behalf of Jesus. Nobody has ever heard of the opening eyes of a blind man. If he wasn't from God, he couldn't have done this. 
And their response to him was in verse 34, you were steeped in sin at birth. True, all of us were, right? How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And the true blind people of that story were the Pharisees. They didn't see it. They just, they didn't see it. And I wonder how many times in our lives where we've prayed, God, will you provide, and we forget how he provided. God, will you heal, and we just kind of move on after the healing has taken place. God, would you teach me to be more like you or teach me to pray or draw me close to you. And, and we forget the, the, the journey that God has us on because we always go back to, I feel a little bit more spiritual and I feel closer to God when my health is good, when my money's good, when my kids are good, and I've got no trouble in my life. And when I have no trouble in my life, God is good. But you know what? God is good when you're in the valley. God is good when you're praying and you don't hear his answers. God is good when you're going through physical stuff that don't make sense. God is good if you're busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. My dad used to say that. I like that a lot. Right? God is good all the time. And, and, and it's not just about him being good to and that, that, that when, we, when we hear the word God is good, the phrase God is good, we want that to be in a way where we're saying God is good to me because I have. God is good to me because he's overly provided. But how do you explain God is good to somebody who lives in the mountains in Guatemala that doesn't have any money or doesn't know how they're going to eat that day? Or in a third world country where there was a tsunami or an earthquake or a volcano? Uh, I'm wearing this shirt today, not as a paid endorsement, I promise you, but uh, it, says feed, it says drink coffee and feed kids. And it's uh, in regards to Manor Worldwide, a ministry that we support uh, we're very involved in that, and we're going in the first week of April to work with some missionaries in Guatemala, and there's myriad of reasons we're doing this, but a couple of the key reasons we're doing this is so that we can be a blessing to people that need. And, but on top of that, we're helping a church that's down there. Uh, we're helping a pastor in the local community. We're going to go build a house for a family that lost their house in the volcano, and when we think of a house, it's not a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, brick house in Plano, the kind of house we would live in. It's just enough for them to, to survive. It's very humbling. It's really, it's really a neat experience, and, and it'll touch your heart. We're also going, as, 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 as a, really as a gesture of gratitude uh, to, um, uh, to MJ and Brennan Doyle, who left their families and their ministry for six weeks to come help us build this building they invested in our ministry for six weeks. We want to go back and invest in theirs for about seven or eight days. And it's going to be great. We're going to do a medical clinic. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking to a group of chiropractors uh, that we love very, very much and very near and dear and close to the heart of our church. And if it works out with their calendar, we're going to get some medical help and medical assistance there. But we would love for you to be a part of that. And it really does. It just, it just, put, it just does something in your heart that, that, that you'll never forget. And you know what it really changes? In, in your own heart, if you make it very, very personal, the way that you say why. The way that you say why. So if I want you to consider a couple of things this morning about this story. You think, why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? The big universal question of why. And, and, and really the only answer that, that God would give us about this story, the why is, is so that this man would know Jesus. 
The why is so that God's works would be demonstrated and other people would come to know him. But there's always going to be haters and there's always going to be doubters and there's always going to be people like that in our lives that don't understand, don't agree. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, I don't understand that. That's a, because that doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to be angry at it. And that was the position the Pharisees chose to take. And therefore, they truly were the blind people in this story. So God wants us to see him. God wants us to see his works through his son, Jesus Christ. But here's the great thing about this. God wants to do something special in your life. I wish I had the ability to be kind of cool. Maybe this is a little self-promoting a little bit. But wouldn't it be cool to have the ability that if, 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 if somebody needed, you could automatically provide? Or if, or if somebody didn't have, you could give. Or if somebody had a physical need, you could just, psh, they'd be healed. But then we're putting ourselves in the place of Jesus when we do that. It's a little bit of a messianic complex that we that we're, have to be very careful of. Our pride does that. But God did give us the privilege and the opportunity to point people to him and to testify of him and, and to be a witness of him. And to be a witness means this. If you're witnesses, you shall, uh, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible tells us he wants us to be witnesses of what he had done. Witness is somebody that could speak of something real that happened in their life. I'm a witness that God can change, uh, God can change a dirty and broken heart. Uh, in, into a heart uh, that now belongs to him. Not a perfect heart, not a perfect body, not a perfect life, but, but a life that, that, that was, was given the love of Jesus Christ. And I responded to that. And like many of you, I now have a relationship with him. And God's given us the privilege of being able to be a witness, a testament. Hey, let me tell you, and I love telling stories that I do. Hey, let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Don't discount your story. I don't know the Bible that well. It's okay. Read it understand it grow take a whole lifetime you'll need to to understand the bible more and more every day but i want to tell you something your story matters to god because it will matter to somebody else there's people that live lives just like me that that, that, that understand where i come from there's also people that have the same background that you have and understand where you come from that you could connect to way better than i could so you could tell them about jesus and we may not, we may not be able to do the big you know universal oh i can answer your why question we hear let me tell you why. God demonstrated his love for us. Even though we we're messed up people, Christ died for us. And he wants you to have a relationship with him. You know, it's very, you know, we really, religion's a very complicated, diverse, strange, strange thing. Uh, Pastor Charlie of our Spanish ministry came in and we were talking. We, we get together on 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings and pray for our service, pray for the day. Um, Remember prayer requests of people in our church. And Pastor Charlie this week, who leads our Spanish ministry, went to Las Cruces, New Mexico, because his stepmother is uh, very, very late stage cancer, and she's on the doorstep of death. And Charlie's got a kind of a, a tough story. His, his parents were divorced uh, when he was young because his mom left his dad for a pastor. So his dad, from that day forward, I'm done with God, I'm done with church understandable, right? You can, you can understand that. The hurt that he carried. So Char something told Charlie, I got to get out there. Does, he doesn't believe his dad is saved. He knew his stepmom wasn't saved. And she just didn't, no response first day, no response the second day. On Friday, Charlie's dad said to him, Charlie, you need to go in and tell your stepmom about Jesus. She's going to die. And Charlie, and he was telling us this morning, it was like we gasped. Charlie just looked over at his dad and went, 
oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he couldn't believe it. Because dad was like, like really almost agnostic, hated God. Had nothing to do with him. But understood that his wife was on the doorstep of eternity. And his, step, and his stepmom asked Jesus to be her savior that day. Isn't that awesome? And it's one of those weird things because when you pray about something for that long, you almost, doesn't, you, you almost don't believe it really can happen. We prayed for my dad for years and years and years. And we did everything. We did the grandparent guilt thing. We tried to Jesus juke him so many different ways. I'd send Christina in at two years old to go talk to my dad. Go tell Pop-Pop he needs to come to church. Tell him, tell, him, tell him that Jesus loves him. So my little sweet girl would walk in there, Pop-Pop, come to church with us on Sunday. Jesus loves you. And my dad would say, tell your dad to shut up. You know what I mean? She'd be really happy. Daddy, shut up. <laughs> you know. But I'll never forget I got a call one day. My dad was living in Port Charlotte, Florida. And Bill Bales went to the church because my mom made him go. He said, hey, got something I need to tell you. What's up, Dad? Uh, I did it. Uh, what'd you do? You left mom, you spent our inheritance. What did you do, Dad, right? He said, I asked Jesus to come to my heart. And my brother, who, who was a pastor on the east coast of Florida, he sent me. And I asked Paul if he would baptize me. I said, Dad, I couldn't believe it. I hung up the phone. I was like, Kim said, what's wrong? I said, I think my dad got saved. What? Yeah, I think he got saved. My dad now, who lives in Houston, he lives in Houston now, calls me every, how was church? I was praying for you. How's the building? I was praying for you, son. I'm really glad at what God's doing up there. You tell a lot of people about Jesus? Yeah, dad, we're telling them every week. He says, a lot of hard people like me. I said, I know, dad. So keep telling about Jesus. I'm, we're going to dad. He said, don't forget, you haven't been here in two months. Time to come visit. Okay, dad. Come see you this week. You could be the why answer to somebody else. But you have to believe it first. You have to believe it first. Let's, let's, let's bow our heads and pray, okay? Father, we love you so much. I thank you what you do in our lives. Thanks for watching with us today. If you'd like to continue in participating in our worship through giving, please click on the link provided or go to warehousechurch.com slash give. Or you can use the number provided to text and follow the prompts through text giving. We also have some announcements. First of all, we have our next starting point class on February 10th. Um, directly after services. So if you want more information or to sign up, please go to warehousechurch.com slash start. We also are having a date night for our couples getting married or plan to be married. Um, again, February 15th. So you can go to warehousechurch.com slash date. And last but not least, we have our Guatemala mission trip coming up April 1st through April 8th. And if you would like more information or would like to get signed up, please go to warehousechurch.com slash Guatemala. Thanks church. Have a great week.